Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to Killer Cocktails. This week we are drinking the Spanish coffee. It's a doozy. Oh, this is tasty. I really like it. It's very good. We had a conversation about what do we like better, Irish coffee or Spanish coffee, and I don't know like if I can pick a favorite. I wish that we had a taste test where we could compare side by side. Yeah. I if like this is a murder podcast, gun to my head. Mm-hmm. If I had <laughs> such poor taste. Um, but these taste good. Oh my god. <laughs> That jokes are so fun. Um, I think I would err on the side of Irish coffee. You like the Irish coffee better. I, I'm, But I don't really want to say that. Yeah. If you're making me say, I think I'll err on the side of, because there's less going on, mm. It. I love the taste. You're talking to somebody who likes peanut butter sandwiches. Ugh. I don't want... Yeah, wait. For everyone who who's listening, Jackie doesn't like PB&Js. She likes PBs. Yeah. I love the taste of peanut butter so strongly. That I don't want Jay up in my pee. <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna get cut. No, 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 no. <laughs> Keep that. Keep that. That is gold. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Oh my god. But it, it 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 it's too sweet. There's too much flavor. Go- like yeah. I love jam. Like jelly can go to hell. But jam. <laughs> Jam on an English muffin, getting in those nooks and crannies. Mm. That's delicious. You put butter on your muffin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is all... (laughs) The innuendo is ridiculous. Yes. Do you need me to sign (laughs) you and someone to butter your muffin? Oh. Yeah, I'll butter it and then I'll put jam on. Okay. That's how you have a muffin. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, these are super tasty. We highly recommend everyone making these. Um, And in case you're wondering how to make them, you can always head over to our Instagram or our website for the uh, specific directions. Um, Essentially, you're going to do one and a half ounce Kahlua. You're going to do some fresh coffee, one ounce of 151 rum, um, a little dab of your triple sec which i think you could take or leave it i don't like if you don't have it I don't, yeah i'm not gonna say go out and buy it um and then you're gonna do that whipped cream for the topping and oh you're gonna have a little lime juice on around the rim to get that sugar rim i think here's the in long matches for safety yes for safety <laughs> i think here's the important part to that if i heard whipped cream on top i would think well oh, i'm sorry heavy whipping cream that you are yeah it's not sweetened. Good call, Jackie. You want a cold, whipped, heavy cream on top mm-hmm. because it, that's what's like. That was what was nice about the Irish uh, Irish coffees. That's what's nice about this drink. You have this hot, tasty, boozy beverage with this cold cream on top. You drink it. It's this cool. And then you got that sugar. It's a flavor rim. mix. It's a temperature mix. Yeah, that's part of the magic of the drinks. It's really nice. Okay, we're gonna jump into the history of the Spanish coffee. So uh, Hoobers. Hubers? Hubers. I think Hubers. 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 Okay. Like you have hubris. Hubers. Hubers? Hubers Hubers was established in 1879 at the corner of First and Morrison in downtown Portland, Oregon. Shout out to our Portland, Oregon. The city of roses. (laughs) Uh, It was originally called the Bureau Saloon until it was purchased by Mr. Frank 
Huber, and the name was changed to Hoobers. In 1891, Mr. Huber um, hired Jimmy Jim Louie, who was a Chinese immigrant, to do the cooking. But eventually, Jim would become an owner with his brother, David, and their sister, Lucille, since uh, in 1991. Started from the bottom. Now we now here. We um, Hoover's is now uh, famous for their Spanish coffees and are actually the largest restaurant in America to buy Kahlua. That is a fact that astounded me when you told me. Mm-hmm. And I, now there's like a tinge. So when I was buying ingredients... I told you, I was like, I didn't buy Kahlua. I've bought Kahlua a million times. I wanted to try this other coffee liqueur. Mm-hmm. And I went with a Trader Vic's, which is a Beria famous restaurant. Debatably, the hometown, they created the Mai Tai. And now I hear that and I'm like, oh, I really should have gotten Kahlua. It's, you know, we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll go to Portland. We'll go to Hoover's and we'll. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like Irish coffees, if we hadn't used Tillamore Dew, I would have felt like we didn't do the drink justice. Mm-hmm. So now I got a little Kahlua tinge. Yeah. But you said you've had so much of it and you wanted to mix it up. It yeah. It was a cool bottle. Yeah. And it, they're super tasty. I'm not, I don't regret it. I'll bet it's the same, but. Yeah. A little bit different. The precise part of me is bothered by and it. And then what about our triple sec, Jackie? Our triple sec is Monarch, which is out of Hood River. Tried to go a little, I went a little bay for our mm-hmm. roots i want a little hood river for that oregon and for our listeners who don't know where hood river is it's at northern oregon and i hadn't been till this year you yeah. hear about hood river you gotta go hood, you gotta go mm-hmm. pick apples in hood river you yeah. gotta go watch the leaves change in hood river you do the uh, what is that the the windsurfing yeah, yeah there's all sorts of there's lots of outdoor recreation essentially outdoor uh reps live in hood river mm-hmm. and like ag farmers that are on family farms live there people vacation there it's like a mini bend yeah um it was really cool. Yeah. No, I went I, for the afternoon. I was like, oh, I should have not just gone for the afternoon. Yeah. It was really cool there. That's where we found our little, because the first when we went up to Hood River, we got a campsite and like we're all stoked and we got up there and it was right on the highway and mm, we're like, oh, we've made a mistake. So we just went off on a service road until we found this which campsite. Is so cool. which, which is things I didn't really know until my late 20s, early 30s. That, that you can you go can, do that. Any national forest, yeah. you can disperse camp. Which I still get nervous. I'm like, we're not supposed to be here, but you can. You can. Be aware of whatever fire regulations mm-hmm. are going on. And typically there's like a don't camp between the road and the river yeah. in certain spots. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like, do it to it. That's yeah. your, this land is your land. This land is my land. Yeah. I loved it. And we like found this remote camp spot. No one was there. I love it. And we had this amazing view of Mount Hood and we just camped and no one didn't see anyone for days. It was I amazing. It. Yeah. Um, okay. So, however, Jim Louie did not invent the Spanish coffee. He okay. took the recipe from the friend, uh, the Fernwood Inn in Milwaukee, who got it from- Milwaukee, Oregon? There's a Milwaukee, Oregon that I always get thrown off by, and it's in Portland. It's like a sub-enclave. One of Portland's most beautiful restaurants. Yeah. Um, oh, Milwaukee, Oregon. Because when everyone hears Milwaukee, they think Wisconsin. That's what I was thinking. But there's a Milwaukee in Oregon. Ah, I'm glad you knew that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he got it from the inn in Milwaukee, Oregon. And this inn got it from a bar in Mexico. So ah, the story goes. okay. Uh, but Louis invented the spectacle of the making of it. Make it, because they that was, we watched a video earlier, mm-hmm. and they said we make it tableside. Yes. And like, I actually watched. Just like going to a place and they make that guac right in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to light this drink on fire. And I actually watched a, other, a couple other videos where people are sitting at the bar and they're just doing it, it is right a spe- there. It's a show. Yeah. It's cool. 
And so if you ever get a chance, I'd say go by uh, Hoover's in Portland and go to the saloon. And like we watched this video where um, it, it would flood in Portland if they got a little bit of snow. Yeah. And so the city not built for snow. Yeah. And so it flooded and they would be like, no, our doors are open. We're going to make you a turkey sandwich. Come on in. Like there's going to be water. You're going to be standing water, but we're going to make you these cocktails and we're going to be in a boat and we're going to be behind the bar <laughs> and we're going to be making these cocktails. It was super cool. I had to make a side note in case you can hear it. There's a storm brewing outside. So if you can hear wind so and stuff, windy. that's what's going on. And there's a tree scraping on the window, all creeple like. So. <laughs> <laughs> My car is so tall, mm-hmm. and in the winter, I have the box on top, so when it gets super windy, it's always like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't tip over. Um, yeah, and that's the history of the Spanish coffee. Uh, no, delicious drink. Thank you. Uh, who? Was this you? Oh, no. I was thinking of something Christina. else. Oh, Christina. Thank it's you, Christina. It's one of her favorite drinks. One of our good friends, Christina, recommended this drink. She's actually coming over after we're done recording, yeah. so she can have some. <laughs> um, all right. I think it's murder time. Yeah. Um, Jackie? Oh. Kick it off. I think I am ready. I'm going to tell you about Colin Richards. Okay. So uh, Richards lived most of his life in Coon Rapids, Iowa. It's a town of about 1,300 people. Ooh, that's small. It's real small. Everyone know everybody. Yes. Um, raised by his grandparents. Okay. Parents died? Never mentioned. Okay. This is recent, so we might, well, maybe more. Even your recent one. I know. You go old, I go new. (laughs) Richards, uh, he grew up in Coon Rapids, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Small town, 1,300 people, raised by his grandparents uh, on a little, like, half acre tract out on the edge of town. So people in Coon Rapids, they told the local paper that they knew of Colin Richards, they knew him, um, that he had a lengthy criminal history. Um, but they didn't want to comment on the case out of respect for his grandparents, who were well-respected and known in the community. So it is. It's a small community. you got these papers that are coming through. They're like, hey, this crazy thing happened. Tell us about it. And they're like, yeah, I know about him. But, like, I also know Joe and Shirley or whatever their names are. And mm-hmm. I like them. I think highly of them. I'm not yeah. going to talk about their grandson. Um, he had attended the Coon Rapids uh, Bayard High School for about two years before transferring to clarinda academy so it's a residential foster care and treatment facility for delinquent children okay so he's being raised by his grandparents he's having issues in a normal high school he's in now he's in this like residential program for high school students um when he was at the so before he went to that one he was at the regular high school he was a defensive lineman for the varsity football team he played about two games before getting in trouble with law enforcement and this is his coach who's saying his legal trouble was a violation of the team's code of conduct. Um, so he had to get kicked off the team. Mm. Um, he had promise, but it was super short-lived because of his actions. So, like, held to consequences. There's opportunities there for him to do well, but he's just not, not doing it. taking it, it yeah. Um, so soon after that... Okay, so... Uh, Richards was charged with, so he's still a teenager at this time. He's charged with a domestic assault. He placed a woman in a secured headlock. Oh, my God. And drags her outside. No. He told police that he had tempor- temporarily cut off her ability to breathe. Why? I, some sort of altercation. A woman he squabble. Knew. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to guess like a girlfriend or somebody. Okay. Um, and that was the first of a handful of interactions he would have with law enforcement. Um. 
he bumped around to a couple different cities in the same like general area, general county. Mm-hmm. Um, and like sheriffs knew him, they had multiple interactions and dealings with him. Not only is it a small town, but he's also like a troublemaker in a small yeah. town. Um, while he was living in the city of Jefferson in 2015, um, he was living in a home that his grandfather owned and he was help renovating it in exchange for living there. Okay. So he's like, there's again, there's like little helpful things out there for him. Um, police had five addresses on file for him, including homes in Bagley, Jefferson, Guthrie Center, Coon Rapids, Bayard, um, where he was last arrested was in Bayard. Um, they're like vacant homes that he was attributed to uh, in this incident that we'll talk about. A vacant home is one of the addresses that they go and they visit. Um, so one of the police officers uh, wasn't aware that Richards had any other job, that he had been fired from one job, but essentially he just kind of like bebops around. Okay. So he's either, it's like petty theft, doing handy handyman like odd jobs for people but no real work history okay um and the one time he did have a job that he got fired from that was a violation of his parole to get fired from his job um he struggled with drug addiction he was in and out of uh issues with the police from that he would get clean when he was in jail and then he would be released and then so it was meth and it was intravenous yeah and that's just so sad you go into the system and you come out and you don't have any new tools to help no. you get to a better place usually so yeah yeah um so he's got all these so that's what's going on with him now we're gonna pivot i'm gonna tell you about uh celia barkin arozamena wow okay so in some things they'll call her celia barkin and they're just shortening it yeah. but is there there's, a hyphen in there? What I, no, there's okay. no hyphen. But what I've noticed, like, I'm, I bought a car off of an Australian dude. And there's a lot of cultures kind of throughout the world where they keep the mother's maiden name. Mm-hmm. And your last name is the maiden name. Mm-hmm. And then the paternal name. Mm-hmm. And then you have a kid. And then it switches up. Yeah. And it's not this, like, one. That's how they do it in Chile. So you have your first name, your middle name, and then maybe another name. But then you have your mother's maiden name and yeah. your father's. Yeah. Yeah. Then, there's, yeah. A, there's a harken to it. So... Uh, she's from Spain mm-hmm. and she's so, so no hyphen who knows you know maybe one is maternal or not but her name is Celia Barkin Arosamena <laughs> so hard I could say it earlier. again <laughs> um she's a golfing phenom yeah so golfing she's, yeah okay so she's living in Iowa mm-hmm. she's going to Iowa she's in Ames she's going to Iowa State so um she was a civil engineering student. She was in the Big 12 Conference champion for female golfers. She was Iowa State's 2018 Female Athlete of the Year. Nice. Like, she's doing very well. Yeah. Um, She was graduate, like, she was finishing up. She had turned pro the past spring after completing her college golfing career. Dang. So, like, doing well. Well Well-respected in the, in that community. Beautiful, smart, crushing it. Yeah. Um, she qualified for the U S women's open in Alabama. Um, and she was, uh, one of the, so she's on like those tours and stuff. So she, it's like a Monday morning. She was out golfing by herself. Um, so she's out there. Other golfers come across her cell phone. Oh no. Her ball cap Mm. and her golf bag on the, on the ninth hole in the, on the fairway. 
um, and no one's around it. So it's, if maybe just a bag had been there, it wouldn't have been so, but like her hat, her bag, her cell phone, uh, she had talked to people already. I think she's a staple in the area. Um, they're concerned right away. So they call the police who come and like scan the area and they find her body in the little like pond water feature right by the ninth hole. Oh no, 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 no. So, um, based on scene investigation, she, uh, she had several stab wounds to the upper torso, head and neck. She's just golfing at nine in the morning. Yeah. And in a very short window, they find her body in the pond and she's been stabbed. Okay. They will come to figure out that it is Colin, that it's uh, Richards. There is no known relationship between him and her. They're not in the same circles. They don't go to the same college. Um, there's not anywhere really for them to interact with each other, except that they both are in this small town. Um, canine units are used to follow her scent and they lead police to a homeless encampment that's in the woods that's close to or part of this golf course um when they get to that homeless encampment they encounter an acquaintance of richards so like while they're still searching um who told them that he that richards had uh shown up at their house that he was uh covered in blood he was disheveled he there was sand and water all over him that they let him like bathe and take a shower and washed his clothes and then he left what no i mean if someone shows up if i show up at your doorstep covered in blood a vacant house i get the sense that there's it's like a drug house oh it's not said in here yeah yeah. but the way they describe the home and that that is not a key indicator of things okay makes me feel like people are probably on drugs and not super astute yeah um so then they are like going back through these woods and then they encounter Richards who walks up to police. Oh. And he's like, hey. And he just like starts talking to them. So they'll go back and talk. Like if you go back a couple days before the incident, Richards was quoted as talking to someone as saying like, I really want to rape and kill a woman. Oh, okay. Red flag. Hey. And then a couple days later, this happens. Jesus. So all this is did alleged because, like, the trial is ongoing. Like, yeah. Did she, uh, was she uh, raped? No. Okay. Just stabbed. Okay. Um, and uh, to everyone's knowledge, they had no prior um, communication with each other. There's they, no reason to link these two together for any of on a golf course. Yeah. So he's living in this, like, homeless encampment tent city in the woods that's attached to it. Got so it. it's like he wandered out in the morning, saw this pretty girl golfing. Decided. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like motive and all that isn't really known at this point. Um, but so when they approach him, uh, they see that. He, so he's got several fresh scratches on his face. Um, consistent with fighting is what they say that he keeps trying to like conceal and hide this really deep laceration on his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, while they're searching his backpack, they find a pair of shorts that test positive for blood. Mm. Uh, they found a knife that had been in his possession. So he gave knives to other people when he had washed at their house and stuff. Those knives are consistent with blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so his preliminary hearing was set for uh, September 28th. And if he was convicted, so he's facing its first degree murder, life in prison. Um, there was a video. He had a... So he has a self-appointed, like a defense attorney from the county who he, I think he didn't like, like they weren't getting along. Like one of the videos I saw, 
the attorney's going, he's requested a change of counsel. He's saying it's, he goes, there's not a lack of communication in my 27 years of being a defense attorney. There's no issue with us being able to talk to each other. It will not, you know, impinge on his ability. But the judge did honor the change of defense attorneys. Okay. So that's very recent. That yeah, like yeah. now he has a new defense attorney. Um, court appointed, you said? Court appointed. Okay. Um, and then like when I was reading this, one of the people, one of the people that live in the town was saying, first the kidnapping and now this. It's horrifying. What? I'm like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Um, they're referring to the death of a University of Iowa student, Molly Tibbetts who was allegedly killed by 24-year-old Christian Rivera while on her routine jog through farm country earlier that same year. Oh, my god! This is a very small town, and this yeah. is very out of character. Yeah. Um, like, that town has been rocked twice. And was that someone she knew, or that was just another random? In theory, unrelated. So that person was... Uh, actually, the alleged uh, attacker was 24. They didn't say how old the woman was. Yeah. But um, Celia was 22. Yeah. So young, early 20s. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking if the jogger, if she yeah, knew yeah, yeah. The, the attacker. Oh, God, that's... You're just going about your day. You, I mean, obviously, we're all going to pass away at some point, and you'll never know when yeah. your last day is. But to be in just a normal setting, like you, she went golfing every day, like you wouldn't, you would think you were safe. Going to a golf course at 9 in the morning on a Monday, I would think... Like, there's certain, like, I won't go hiking by myself. Like, there's certain things yeah. I won't do just because people tell you it's a bad idea where I'm like, ah, I'm probably fine. I would not think twice about going golfing at nine in the morning on a Monday. Yeah. Because other people are there. There's You've just, done it a hundred times. There's yeah. no, it's a golf course. Yeah. You don't think of that as like a seedy, dangerous place. Yeah. Ugh. That poor town. Yeah. That poor family. And like Spain, like, and she's beloved, like, like vibrant great personality like you you yeah. just get this sense that like being mourned in iowa being mourned in spain mm -hmm. like definitely rocked that community both communities yeah um just kind of senseless just kind of this you know you, you don't really know what's going because again colin's going through his uh trials so you don't really know all that stuff like yeah. right now it's all just alleged but... yeah wow that's so sad it's really sad yeah thanks jackie so she's from Spain. <laughs> yeah. Spanish coffees. Um, and as always with Jackie's stories, keep up with that trial. <laughs> yeah, I tend to find the, the media. recent ones. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to refresh my drink and we'll be right back. All right. We are back from our break and it's time for another murder. Okay. So Jackie, yes. I'm going to tell you about Raymond Martinez Fernandez. A.K. From Spain. Yes. España. Technically. Oh. A.K.A. The Lonely Hearts Killer. Lonely Hearts. I feel like I've heard of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Lonely mm -hmm. Hearts Killer. All right. So Raymond was born on December 17th, 1914. Oh, it's old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's old. Um, he was born in Hawaii, uh, but he mainly grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Um, his parents were of Spanish descent. And we're uh, kind this of... This is our tie? This is our tie. Um, his parents were kind of disappointed in how their son um, looked. He was oh. very frail and sickly looking. Um, mm. And his father especially wished he had a stronger son. 
Um, wow. So kind of give you a feel for his childhood. Yeah. Uh, Raymond moved to Spain in 1932. So that puts him at 18 years old. Okay. Uh, he moved there so he could work with his uncle on uh, his uncle's farm. Um, he grew into himself while he was there and he became very well built and he actually became quite handsome uh he had a very gentle manner yeah, just wait dad <laughs> i'm gonna hit puberty goddamn let it. him carry around some bags of flour <laughs> and move some hay trowels and shit <laughs> um so he had a very uh, gentle manner and he was very well liked within the village um he met a young woman named Encarnacion Robles, um, who married, um, who whom he married when he was twenty years old, okay. and they ended up having a couple kids. Uh, Raymond then served with Spain's merchant marine, uh, but he soon found service with the British government as a spy, and apparently achieved certain um, uh, notary in the intelligence gathering community. Whoa! Mm-hmm. So he's a spy in about what year? Um, this is thirties. Yeah, the th- uh, yeah, we're going into the fort. We're going into World War Two. Yes, exactly. Um, and so after his service, Raymond decided to find work back in America so he could bring his wife and children over with him. Um, Land of opportunity. Ex- yes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but shortly after boarding a ship, a steel hatch fell on top of him, fracturing his skull and injuring his frontal lobe. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this story is sad. Yeah, um, he wasn't. He wasn't cuckoo his whole life. He didn't seem cuckoo. He seemed a like hatch he was... hit his brain, mm-hmm. and now something sad's gonna happen. Yeah, and uh, for for all you listeners out there who don't know, the frontal lobe region regulates the learning, reasoning, and logical segments of the brain function. If in like most high school biology class, I want to say biology classes, maybe physiology. Anyway, you learn about uh, Phineas Gage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with the with the pipe. There was a dude yeah. who, like, a railroad spike went. Yeah. It completely severed the frontal lobe from the rest, mm-hmm. and it was like people's first opportunity to. This cat is trying to get my drink. Um, <laughs> to see firsthand the like, you, uh, like he just yeah. became a different person. Yeah, he was just like it was all emotion all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. So um, after his injury, he remained in a hospital for three months. Um. And the injury changed his social and sexual behavior Uh, Raymond became distant moody and quick to anger he did not smile as easily and when he spoke he often rambled Um, shortly after being released from the hospital Raymond was caught stealing clothing when he was asked why he committed the theft he said I don't know I can't think I can't say why I did it I just saw other men putting a towel or two in their bags so I thought I'd do the same only I just couldn't seem to stop um, so he was found guilty and sentenced to one year in prison for this theft. I feel sad for him. Mm-hmm. Um, while in prison, his cellmate taught him voodoo and black magic. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Raymond practiced until he believed he had mastered the dark arts. And when he was released from prison, he was certain that he could use his powers to entice women to do whatever he pleased. Is this still the 40s? Or is this the... Um, we're going into the, let's see, fifties, I think okay. like late forties, early fifties. Okay. Um, so he moved back to Brooklyn to live with his sister and his flam- family was very taken aback by how he looked now. Um, cause he was mostly bald and, um, where he used to have like a lot of hair and then he had this like horrible scar from the accident. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so Raymond locked himself in his room for days at a time and complained of painful headaches. Ugh. Um, he began answering personal ads posted by women. In I mean, the I'm news- going to start oh. not feeling bad for him. Yeah. 
yeah. pretty soon, I yeah. feel like. <laughs> the story's going to take a turn. Yeah. But I do feel bad. Uh, so uh, he began uh, answering personal ads posted by women in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. In his letters, he would ask women to send a lock of their hair, an earring, or some personal item that he would later use in a voodoo ritual to strengthen his supernatural control of them. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Drea, I've joked about this with you before, and you don't like it. The hair doll? The hair doll. <laughs> no. I just try to, like, put yourself in the pos- Like, imagine... Imagine if you discovered someone had a hair doll of you. I mean, I discovered that one thing about that one person with that one thing. Do not tell that story now. (laughs) Because we are going to have a Patreon. (laughs) Oh, you want me to tell the story then? And I feel like we should tell really great personal stories. That's smart. On our Patreon. Okay. (laughs) Because you've got a great story (laughs) and I can cook up one or two. Yeah. I... We'll save that one for another yes. day. Because <laughs> it's such a fucking crazy story. Hair dolls. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, back to, yeah, okay. back to your story. Um, so he would then meet up with uh, the women that he had been corresponding mm-hmm. with. And he would wine and dine them. And then he would steal their money and possessions. Not do anything yet. Just take more of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of the women were too embarrassed to report the crimes. So essentially, he's writing to these women. He's very eloquent in his writing. And so he and he knew how to charm them. He would figure out like, oh, if they're a church going lady, I'm going to talk about religion mm-hmm. and I'm going to be I'm going to have great manners. And he would keep it together. He asked qualifying questions. Yes. He would keep it together long enough in person um, to get through the con. And then he would steal their life savings and any possessions in their house and yeah, cars. Oh. Yeah, he's, oh. he's taken. That's not where I thought. So he's like truly robbing them. Yes, yes. Because he's, he's not working. He's not able to work with his injury. This is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, one of the women he met was named uh, Jane Lucille, Lucella, Lucella Thompson, who had recently separated from her husband. Okay. Raymond and Jane quickly started a relationship and decided to go to Spain for a romantic vacation. And he a, has some loose roots there. Mm-hmm. And so they're using Jane's money to like go on this like couple week long vacation in Spain. And they're like, how do you find your stories? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, um, go ahead. Uh, okay. I don't think we find ours the same way. We definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We just, I think we have different techniques. Yeah, we yeah. definitely do. Um, so they're going around Spain. They're having a grand time. They're sightseeing. Um, and then he eventually takes her to Raymond's old village where his wife and children are. And he introduces them. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. Um, okay. So Jane and him are exploring uh, Spain. And they're visiting their sightseeing. And then they go to his old village. And they meet up with his wife. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Wow. Um, and so. How many years has it been that he's been, like, away? A, a good 10 if not more years and he's been sending money back to his family and all this just living in america sending money back home Yep. all right so the wife meets the new girlfriend knowing who she is uh doesn't go into that they have met they have met they're meeting and they're going to dinners and they're also sightseeing around the village um (laughs) yeah it's really weird um and then all of a sudden something happens and jane turns up dead in their hotel room jane's the girlfriend jane's the girlfriend uh, from unknown causes. Okay. Um, Raymond then went back to America with a forged will and took possession of her property. Oh. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is that 
Jane's mother lived with her. And so Raymond comes back and is like, yo, your girl's dead. And by the way, this is my house. Get out. No. Yes. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It's insane. Um, so in 1947, Raymond answered a personal ad placed by Martha Beck. <clears throat> okay, so now I'm going to tell you about um, Martha Beck. Martha Beck was born Martha Jewel Seabrook on May 6, 1920 in Milton, Florida. Due to a glandular problem, she was overweight and went through puberty prematurely. That's right. She would later say that she had been sexually assaulted by her brother. When she told her mother about what had happened, her mother beat her, claiming she was responsible. Mm-hmm. remember it's the 1920s ish mm-hmm. um so of that time uh, throughout her teenage years martha was the focus of cruel jokes and insults she became um very reclusive withdrawn and virtually no friends uh she had no virtually no friends of her age mm. um, after she finished school she studied nursing but had trouble finding a job due to her weight okay she initially became an undertaker's assistant and prepared female bodies for burial just female bodies mm-hmm yeah interesting again remote the time yeah, yeah. Right. uh she quit her, i mean if you kind of think what happens to bodies sometimes after <laughs> dead <laughs> no who was it i think i was listening to my favorite murder and they had like a little mini sode and they were talking about how this girl she wrote in that her parents met because her mother started working at the hospital and they're like hey you have to go with this other male nurse to take this body down to the morgue because by law, no male nurse can be alone, or no male person in the hospital can be alone with a dead body. Because people are fucking weird. Because people do weird things. Because people are fucking weird. Ah! ah! That is, it was a big enough problem that it had to become policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. oh. <laughs> but because of that law, this couple became a couple. You know, I, adorable, I guess. <laughs> there was a teacher at preschool who met her husband... Uh, this is back in the olden days. She was skiing. She was there solo. And he was there. This is back when they straight up, you'd all be in line to get on the lift. And they'd go, single, single. Oh. And then someone would go, single. And they would just pair up the singles to get on the lift and go. Yeah. And she straight up was like skiing by herself. And this dude was skiing by himself. And they got singled up on the chairlift. And that's how they met. Aww. And they like... Isn't that adorable? That's super cute. I like that. Yeah, that's super cute. All right, we talked about that. Um, After back to murder and people defiling dead bodies. It's not funny, but it's not. (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, So after she finished school, she studied nursing, but had trouble finding a job due to her weight. She initially became an undertaker's assistant and prepared female bodies for burial. She quit her job and moved to California, where she worked in an army hospital as a nurse. At night, Martha would go out to the local bars, as you do when you're younger, mm-hmm. and she would pick up soldiers who were on leave, and sometimes... What they... city is she in? She is in... She's in California. Somewhere. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to guess Southern California, because there's more bases down there. Okay. So, at night, Martha went to local bars where she'd pick up soldiers where uh, who were on leave, and sometimes they would have sexual relations. Yeah. Um, as a result of one of these encounters, she became pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father was a soldier who was uninterested in her. When he discovered Martha was pregnant, he attempted to commit suicide by throwing himself into a nearby bay. Unable to convince him to marry her and deeply ashamed that he tried to kill himself, she returned to Florida depressed and alone. This is a sad story. Yes. It gets worse. 
obviously (laughs) she realized she needed to cover up her pregnancy so she made up a story that she had met and married a navy officer in california she bought a wedding ring and wore it around town (gasps) and she told every name martha martha but remember the time i know you can't have a pregnancy out of i know um, and she told everyone that her husband would return soon from, you know, the Pacific area where there was like some stuff going on and then everyone would meet him then. So, of course, that wasn't true. So she arranged to have a telegram sent to herself announcing that her husband was killed in I'm action. I'm so sad for her. Keep listening. Am I not going to be sad anymore? You're not going to be sad with her. I mean, I'm sad right now. All right. That's fine. These are cringy. Sad's the wrong word. I'm internally cringing real hard yeah. over these little cringy things she's doing. Yeah. it's She's not having an easy life. She's having a yeah. hard time. Um, and she's not owning it. No. Sad things can happen to you and you can own it and be like, here's the sad thing. Yeah. I'm going to own it. I don't think she was set up for success with her yeah. childhood, though. Um, so she went into hysterics when she received the quote-unquote news. <laughs> the fake news of her fake fiance dying. <laughs> Okay. Okay. The town mourned for her. Ugh. And the story even appeared in a local paper. Of course. Martha received... It's kind of impressive, really. <laughs> Martha received a great deal of attention and sympathy for her quote-unquote loss. Oh, you know, it's going to hit you hard. Um, I mean, But it must be nice for her to also get that attention finally. And like, 100%. She's, That's she's, why she's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, uh, I think initially it was to cover up her pregnancy so she wouldn't be scorned by yeah, her Yeah, but now peers. it's become this thing that's yeah, great. Yeah, uh, In the spring of... It's not a lie if you believe it. Oh, God. <laughs> Time is a construct. Um, in the spring of 1944, she gave birth to her daughter, Willa Dean. Shortly after her daughter... This is how spun up in the story I got. I was like, when did she get pregnant? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, she was real pregnant, and she had her baby. I get it. Okay. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's how spun up in that story I got. <laughs> All right. So shortly after her daughter was born, she became pregnant again by a Pensacola bus driver named Alfred Beck. They married quickly. Oh, Beck's back. Beck's back? You told me about her name being Beck. Be- yeah, Martha yeah. Beck. Okay, yeah. So she was Seabrook, and now she's back. Yes. back. So they, they get re- married really quickly, but they shortly divorce after six months. Um, and she then gave birth to a son. Um, unemployed and a single mother of two ch- young children, Martha lost herself in a romantic fantasy world. She started buying a bunch of uh, romance magazines and novels, and she went to see a lot of romantic movies. So in 1946, she found employment at the Pensacola Hospital for Children, where she actually became very successful. She received a promotion and eventually became nurse superintendent of the hospital. So she finally found her stride, but she can't get that in her personal life. Mm -hmm. So as a result of a practical joke played by a coworker, Mm. Martha received an ad in the mail to join a Lonely Hearts Club. Mm. And in case you don't know, Lonely Hearts was kind of like... Back in the day when you would write in because you're looking for another, I don't know, you're looking for a date. You're looking yeah. for a soulmate. Um, so when she read it's the... tender on paper. Ten- <laughs> <laughs> you're not swiping left or right. <laughs> um, so she read the ad and she broke down in tears. Um, but in a, kind of an act of a defiance, Martha's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to write into this Lonely I am Hearts. a lonely heart. I am a lonely heart. And she placed an ad in Mother Deanna's Family Club for Lonely Hearts. So... Now we're going to merge these two characters together. Yeah. Uh, Raymond, 
back from the beginning, would be the only one to respond to Martha's ad, and they corresponded for several weeks until Raymond visited Martha for a couple days in Florida. Um, And little side note here, Raymond had a real flair with words. He really knew how to charm the ladies. So he goes down, he's hanging out with Martha, and then he realizes she's a single mom with two kids. Yeah. working in a hospital. There's a lot of responsibility there. She doesn't have a lot of assets for him to steal. And so he's like, hey, oh my god, ugh, bummer, work just called me from New York, I gotta go. Um, but don't worry, I'll, I'll be back in a couple days, or you okay. know what, better yet, I'll I'll send for you, I'll send you don't some money. Don't call me, I'll call you. I'll call you, yeah. So he leaves, um, and then poor Martha takes that as Raymond's uh, proposal, because she's like, oh, he's gonna send for me, we're now engaged. Oh, I'm... It yeah. hurts how much I'm embarrassed for her. Uh, so Martha takes this as a proposal and she Which decides so to tell the whole town that she's leaving, that I'm she's getting so engaged. embarrassed for her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Aren't you? Are you not embarrassed yes, for her? Yes. I'm so embarrassed for her. Um, And so she, from what I read, she was like, oh, yeah, we're engaged. And Raymond's like, whoa, 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 and we're not engaged. What's going on? I had to have asked you to marry me yeah. for that. But she... She like goes to Newark for like a like a uh, like a week and hangs mm-hmm. out with him and then he sends her back and then um, <laughs> um, but then when she gets back, um, Martha is just suddenly fired from her job. Oh, and like there's some like rumors that like they fired her because of her romance with Raymond, but that's what she was saying. It's kind of like you don't understand my love kind of thing. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> but anywho. She's like this. This is a this is the universe's way of telling me it's time to leave Florida. Um, so she packs up all of her kids and all of her stuff, <laughs> and she goes up to New York and rings Raymond's doorbell. I was like, surprise! I'm gonna live here now. I'm here. I don't have a job, and mm-hmm. now we're married. Uh, so Ra- Raymond decides to let her stay, only because because um, she cuckoo. Because no, she caters to his every whim. She's cooking for him. She's cleaning. She's doing whatever he says. So he tells Martha, "All right." Fine, you can stay, but your kids got to go. Where are they going to go? Well, Martha decides to drop them off at the Salvation Army. It was like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's what year are we in? Like what? It's but look, look, We're, we're coming up on 1948 soonish. Oh, so. four, oh, oh yeah. way earlier. Yeah. Okay. So she just... Salvation My, Army at this time, is it what I think the Salvation Army is? It's, where it's, it's just like a part, goodwill of sorts? Oh, well, it's, it's part of a church. And yeah. So, yeah, they, they do go. have religious tones to them. Um, but I kind of looked that up earlier, too, and I didn't really see what it was at that time. But they are also kind of a, a foster homes kind of situation, it seemed okay. like, for battered children and such. So I think she... Either, and these are kids' kids. These aren't babies. These are kids' I, kids. These are kids' kids. And I'm pretty sure she just dropped them off and... I don't want to it. be a mom anymore. Yeah. Because she thought this, Start over. this was her one opportunity for true love. She saw Raymond as, like, her soulmate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she does that. Raymond then tells Martha about his scamming business. He even admitted to marrying some of them and to having a legitimate wife and children back in Spain. Despite this, Martha was committed to him. Together, they picked their next victim. So I don't know if she just thought she wasn't part of that scheme and that theirs, their love was the true love or that, what she thought. That's one, like, that's 100% what she thought. What's yeah. in her mind. Yeah. It's like, it's all good right here. Mm-hmm. But we're still lies go this ones. way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they traveled down to Pennsylvania where they met Esther Hine. 
Um, Martha posed as Raymond's sister-in-law. And within a week on February 28th, 1948, Esther and Raymond were married. In a brief ceremony at the county clerk's office in Fairbanks, Virginia. Uh, They then returned to the apartment on West 139th Street with Martha. Um, So they're all kind of living together at Mm -hmm. this point. Sister wives. Yeah, sister wives. Um, But, you know, Esther doesn't know that. Correct. Uh, Raymond was nice for a couple of days until he realized Esther wasn't going to sign over her insurance policies or her teacher's pension. Why not? (laughs) It's the 40s and you're married now. What's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. Um, Esther then heard about how Jane, the woman he had taken to Spain, had disappeared. And Esther How'd was like, about that? oh, you know, they're kind of in that same little I'm area. I'm getting the sense that Esther ain't no, she's not dull. Mm. <laughs> she's not dull. Mm. So Esther decided to get out of there. But in the process, she lost a couple hundred dollars and her car. All right. But remember, it's back in that time money. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit more than, you know, it's a couple thousand. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Raymond she still and- has her teacher's pension and the other shit she wouldn't sign Fuck over, yeah. but she lost this other stuff. Good on you, Esther. Okay, uh, Raymond and Martha then moved on to their next victim. Okay. Uh, her name was Myrtle Young. I know these names. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head that Esther wasn't Pennsylvania Dutch. <laughs> but, but she's um, not. Just to let you know, Raymond didn't care what you looked like, how old you were. He would go young, old. A lot of these women are older, like their sixties, like in their sixties and stuff. Do you and have in that their, Skrilla? And then he's in his like twenties, late twenties. Um, so he meets Myrtle Young and, uh, who agrees to marry Raymond on August 14th, 1948. So that's just six months after he marries Esther. Um, Martha posed as Raymond's sister and did everything she could to make sure that the marriage was never consummated because she's fucking jealous of all of his relationships. Yeah. Of the scamming world. Don't you dare have sex with that (laughs) six-year-old lady. Um... So, she was so jealous that she would even sleep in the same bed as Myrtle. Oh, <laughs> your story's insane. <laughs> your story's crazy. And everyone involved is crazy. Uh, this is just... <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, <laughs> this went on for several days until Myrtle protested so much that Raymond gave Your her... sister needs to not be in our marital yeah. bed. <laughs> it's so fucking silly. Okay. So Myrtle's like, I don't want Martha <laughs> yeah. in our bed anymore. And Raymond was like, ah, you're complaining so much. I'm just going to give you a heavy dose of drugs. He's like, you got to shut up about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have sex with you. <laughs> um, but he gave her so much that she just fucking passes out. Um, D- doesn't die, but like too much. She's sleepy times. Yeah, she's sleeping times right now. So with Martha's, with Martha's help, Raymond carried Myrtle onto a bus and sent her back to Little Rock, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been the same paragraph <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> in all fairness that's fucking crazy i know i know i know <laughs> so she's on this bus back to little rock <laughs> she just wakes up and she's back home uh she right. so she she gets to little rock arkansas where she has to be carried off the bus by police. Yeah, because she's drugged. Myrtle was robbed of $4,000. Mm-hmm. And the very next day, Myrtle Young died. Uh, so, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Martha and Raymond continued on their way back east. They stopped in several towns and met with an assortment of women who had been corresponding with Raymond. Yeah. They managed to steal, steal some money, but none looked promising as a long-term investment. Quote, unquote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, they're, they're looking for a specific... Now I'm going to tell you about Janet Fay. Ooh. So... Then they met Janet Fay, who rented a spacious apartment in the downtown part of the city. What Mo- city? New York. Okay. More importantly, had money in the bank. She had a habit of writing letters to the Lonely Hearts Clubs and was a religious woman who attended Catholic Church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Raymond finds this out and is just like, oh, yes, the Lord. I love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise Jesus. Um, after a period of several weeks of corresponding, uh, Martha and Raymond, uh, Janet knew him as Charles Martin. Because he went as an alias. Okay. Uh, they arrived in downtown Albany and checked into a hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Fernandez. The next day, he showed up at Janet's door carrying a bouquet of flowers, and they spent the day together getting acquainted mm-hmm. and talking about the Lord. Over the next few days, Raymond brought along Martha, introducing her as his sister, and together they had dinner and toured the city. Uh, Janet even allowed them to sleep over in her apartment. And Raymond proposed to Janet a couple days later, and she accepted. Um, they made plans to move to Long Island, where Raymond had an apartment. Uh, during the first week in January 1949, Janet took all the money out of her bank accounts, which was $6,000 in cash and checks, which in today's money is $61,000. Right. <clears throat> um, so good on you, Janet, for having that much money. Um, <laughs> huh, you know, yeah, it's a good savings account. Um, on January 4th, 1949, Raymond, Martha, and Janet left Albany and drove to Long Island. When they arrived at the apartment, they ate dinner together and settled in for the night. Raymond fell asleep first, leaving Janet and Martha alone together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are several stories about what happened next, but Martha says that she saw Janet getting into bed with Raymond. And she... Martha's the cuckoo, cuckoo. pretend sister. Mm-hmm. And Janet's the new wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Martha says... Martha says, and like at this point, Raymond had already, I believe, had sexual relations with Janet. Um, and Martha is just fuming. Yeah. She can't stand it. Um, She's beside herself. Beside herself. So she sees Janet getting into her own marriage bed mm-hmm. and she loses it and she gets a ball peen hammer. Second time this has come up. Mm-hmm. And she bludgeons Janet with it and then strangles her with a scarf. And there's some stories where Raymond's strangling her. She's Either way, yeah. all of it's unpleasant. So she's now dead. Yeah. Uh, Raymond and Martha then clean up the room and wrap the body in towels and sheets and push her, push the body into a closet. And then they go to sleep. They're fucking crazies. Mm-hmm. The next day, they bought a large trunk and put Janet's body inside. So Raymond goes to his sister's house and he's like, look, I have this trunk. I need to store it in your basement. Shut up. And his sister lets him. <clears throat> so, a Is it just a dead body in a trunk? He didn't do anything else? What do you mean? Like, anything to, like, inhibit the smell? No. Mm-mm. Nope. I'm upset on this sister's behalf. Yeah. 11 days later, on January 15th... It fucking smells in her house? It's in her basement. Yeah. Ew, there's a smell coming from the house. It's coming from the basement. No one's going to notice a dead body in the basement? It's January. It's cold. It's refrigerated. Fine. I will only give you because it's January. <laughs> okay. 11 days later, Raymond retrieves the trunk from his sister's home and buries it in the cellar of a rented house. 
Raymond then covers up the grave with cement. And for the next week, they cash Janet's checks and typed letters to her family saying, I am all excited and having the time of my life. I never felt as happy before. I soon will be Miss Martin and we'll go to Florida. I don't know. She's not Southern. Um, <laughs> it pulls out of your mouth like molasses. <laughs> like molasses. Um, <laughs> they signed the letters Janet L. Fay, but they didn't realize that Janet did not own a typewriter and that she could not type. So her family immediately notified the police. Type? I, don't, I would think it's the other way around that you can't write. But mm-hmm. it's me- a real 2019 brain of mine. You know, the mechanics of it all. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to tell you about Delphine and her baby. Who's Delphine? I'm going to tell you about her. <laughs> <laughs> so Martha and Raymond then headed west to Grand Rapids, Michigan to meet a young widow named Delphine Downing, who was 41, um, who was also, oh, she also had a two-year-old child named, uh, uh, Rainel. Rainel? Rainel. We're going to go with Rainel. Delphine also knew Raymond as Charles Martin, mm-hmm. his alias, and she knew him as a successful businessman in the export trade who also had a special love for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they met in late January 1949, Delphine was impressed with quote unquote Charles. She liked his courteous manner and considerate attitude toward uh, Rainel. Uh, Raymond and Delphine started to have a sexual relationship, which piss martha off yeah uh a theme mm -hmm. don't touch my man Mm -hmm. uh one morning delphine entered the bathroom and accidentally saw raymond without his toupee (laughs) (laughs) you knew that would get me (laughs) at the last second i really knew it was coming i was like she's gonna fucking lose it here we go Um, which was interesting because they had sexual relations, so I don't know in what manner they were having it that his toupee didn't come off, but maybe it was a really good toupee. <laughs> or not good sex. <laughs> Either one. Um, she was shocked at his baldness and the ugly scar on the top of his head. She accused Raymond of fraud Wait, and deception. am I... What? Is he the... Yeah. Where the thing hit him on the head? Yeah. And that's the toupee. Yeah, because remember his family was like, oh yeah. my god, you're like bald now. Oh my god, that feels like forever ago and a different person. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so it's hideous to this lady. Obvious, yeah, and it's crazy because Delphine just Maybe fucking... it's hideous, we don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if you're so in love, or, I mean, I guess it's just a couple days in, you know, and she's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I but mean, you're married to this person. Uh, and now you've discovered their head looks different. Is she married to this no, person? No, not, not yet. yet. All right, sorry. No. <clears throat> but that's kind of the common theme here. Um, so Delphine just fucking loses it, and she accuses Raymond of fraud and deception. Yeah, how dare you? How dare you? Um, our children will be bald! Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Raymond turned on the charm to try to, like, play save yeah. her, but that was, like, not working. So Martha eventually convinced Delphine to take some sleeping pills to just kind of, you know, let's just yeah, take the just edge take, off. Just take, like, seven or eight. Let's just, just, just go sleep. While Delphine was asleep, uh, uh, Raynell began to cry. And Martha, already furious with Delphine and Raymond, suddenly grabbed the child and began to choke her until she passed out. Um, she was choking her so hard that there's obvious bruises on her mm. neck immediately. Um, Raymond became furious with Martha because he knew that when Delphine woke up, she would see the bruises and call the cops. So Raymond went into the next room and retrieved a handgun that belonged to Delphine's previous husband. 
He wrapped the gun in a blanket and placed the muzzle against Delphine's head. He shot her once, and she was instantly killed. So Delphine dies, not Delphine dies. Martha. Nope, Martha's doing the crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay. So he's not upset that, like, here's my thing. It's yeah. like, not like, oh, you've hurt this child. Delphine's going to get upset. No, no, no. He, Martha, I'm going to get you. He was upset that she attacked the child because yeah. Delphine would wake up and call the police on yeah. them. So now I got to kill Delphine. Yeah. You created a loose end. Yes. Uh, they then wrapped Delphine up in sheets and carried her into the basement. It's crazy that they all have basements to me. I grew up in California. We're we West Coast based. Yeah. We don't understand. Um, they dug a large hole and put Delphine's body inside. Mm-hmm. Raymond then covered the grave with cement while Martha cleaned up the room. For the next two days, they made their plans to escape. Uh, they cashed out whatever checks they could from Delphine and looted the house of all the valuables. Meanwhile, uh, Rennell cried constantly and refused to eat. How old is Rennell? She's two. Ugh. Um, after talking it out, Raymond and Martha decided they needed to get rid of Rennell. Mm. Uh, Martha did... Um, at first, you know, went against the plan, and she's like, we can do something else, and then Raymond's like, we have to get rid of her. Um, so, uh, Martha and Raymond filled a metal tub up with dirty water that had accumulated in the basement. Martha then picked up Rennell and held her under the water until she drowned, while Raymond dug another grave in the basement. Good God. Instead of leaving right away, Martha and Raymond went to the movies. Yeah, they're fucking crazy. Later, when they came back to the apartment, they began to pack their bags. There was a knock at the door, and when Raymond opened it, police officers... That's what you get for going to the movies. (laughs) Police officers were waiting for them because the neighbors had become suspicious after noises they had heard, and they didn't see um, Delphine anymore. The woman who lives there. Yeah. So, Raymond quickly confessed with the understanding that they would not be extradited to New York. Michigan had no death penalty, but New York did. Yeah, yeah. They were, however, extradited. (laughs) Uh, They denied 17 murders that were attributed to them, and Raymond tried to retract his confession, saying he only did it to protect Martha. Their trial was sensationalized, um, and, like, everybody was like, oh, it's, like, perversion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Raymond and Martha were convicted of three murders and sentenced to death on March 8th, 1951, both were executed by the electric chair. In New York? Mm-hmm. Hi. Despite their arguments and relationship problems, they often profess their love to each other, as demonstrated by their official last words. <clears throat> Raymond said, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? What? Mm-hmm. I want to shout it out? I want to shout it out. In the 40s, someone saying that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was more like, I want to shout it out. I know, but I love it. <laughs> and then Martha said, my story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. Good Lord. And there's a couple of movies based on their okay. love affair, like history murder. Yeah. So uh, the 1970 movie, The Honeymoon Killers... The 1966 movie, Deep Crimson, and the 2006 movie, Lonely Hearts, and an episode of the TV series, Cold Case, were all based on this case. Who's in the Lonely Hearts in 2006? You know I don't know that. No, IMDb that real fast. (sighs) Lonely Hearts? Not 2006. That's what you said. What? Did I? Okay. (laughs) It has... Survey says? 6.5 out of 10... 
what did you want to know? Who's in it? Oh, John Travolta. <laughs> it's Jer- bad. It's 2006 John Travolta. <laughs> this movie's bad. Who else is in I it? I told you it's 6.5 out of 10. I know. It should be worse. Okay, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini? That one. Jared Leto. Salma, Salma Hayek. This is a hodgepodge of people. Alice you just want me to say names. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that movie because half of them are horrible actors and half of them are good. And it's based on a crazy story. I'm watching that movie. Based on a true story, two homicide detectives track Martha Beck and Raymond Martinez Fernandez, a murderous pair known as who the Who is John Travolta? Killer, who is who he playing? Their victims through the personals. Who's John Travolta who playing? Who do you think it is? I don't know. Detective Elmer Robinson. Oh, he's so bad. Who he's do you think? So bad. Now. Who do you think? Uh, Raymond is. Jared Leto. Yeah. Who do you think Martha is? Who else do I have in there? Salma Hayek. It's weird. She's Spanish. No, she's not. He is. Oh. <laughs> She's from Florida. <laughs> yeah. Or she might oh, have a little Florida. Latin of it. Yeah. yeah. So what I found interesting in this case was that um, Raymond had, yeah. a, had a voodoo book for his like voodoo rituals. And the author's last name was Seabrook, which was Martha's maiden name. Yeah. And one of her favorite actors was Charles Boyer, I want to say. And she thought they looked very similar, Her uh, that guy and Raymond. So hmm. they like definitely like came together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that was your uh, murder for this Monday. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Killer Cocktails Podcast, or stop by our website, killercocktailspodcast.com, for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Use coupon code KILLERCOCKTAILS, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> They're you, more when you hear them What are you doing with the trunk in your house? I have a trunk. You've seen my trunk. I know. What are you doing with it in your house? It's full of power tools. Ball peen hammers. There's a regular Jacqueline. hammer. There's a regular <laughs> hammer. There's a sawzall. A what? A sawzall? Are you stroking? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a there's a sawzall. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a weird word. It's a real word. It's a real word. <laughs> <laughs>